This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. There's this powerful statement in 1 John 3. It says, this is how we know what love is. And then John goes on to say that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Now, this is core to what we're talking about. We've been talking about what would it take for you and I to have an exceptional life. And the test to the exceptional life is the test of commitment. So when something gets hard, do you run or do you lean into it? See, Jesus is our example. He teaches us that the true test of commitment is if you and I can go through those hard spots in life and keep trusting God, keep loving God, and working on that. And then I also want you to know, today in this lesson, we're going to look at God's exceptional design for your body and how God designed your body, okay, and my body with these endorphins, with this these chemicals that run throughout our, our body that help us keep going in difficult times. See, I believe that when you and I play games with our bodies, may I don't know, we drink or we experiment with drugs. And and that's why I'm concerned about alcohol use and and marijuana use because we're trying and and even prescription drugs playing with those. We're playing with our body's design. And you and I what we do is we say God, I trust you. And I've seen so many people trust God and he's delivered them from addiction. He's delivered them from trusting something other than his design and his purposes for an exceptional life. God, I thank you that today you're going to help us to trust you for everything we need for life, for our bodies, to serve you. Help us, Lord, be the exceptional men and women you've called us to be. Amen. Step into the messes of people's lives. Give them hope and touch them with love. Greater love is no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. Listen, exceptional commitment means I'm going to love people and I'm going to step into their lives and I'm going I'm to do whatever it takes. Now be clear, I'm not inviting you to a codependent enabling relationship. If someone is doing something that is doing damage to their life or other people's lives, you got to know you're not helping them by feeding that source. And, and God doesn't want you to do that. You need his wisdom in that process. But what you do need to do is this. You need to say, Lord, my time, my life is yours. What do you want me to do? Because see, God called us to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's why it's important to every relationship. Because if you have that mindset on, it doesn't matter if you're at school, if you're at work, if you're at home with your family, or it's just the two of you. So, did you know that God gave you actually a chemical, biological trigger to help you be an exceptional person? 
That's part of the reason these, these soldiers can do this. The part of the reason that, that, that you as a parent can do what you do for your children is God designed you for that. He gave you that ability. You've heard the stories, right? You've heard the story, you know. 16-year-old girl weighs 80 pounds, rips door off car to rescue baby, you know? You're like, that's freaky. Well, that's because she's not Supergirl. It's because those, those hormones rush to your body. God has designed you and I with whatever we need for the life that we have. Look at this verse from Luke 6.31. It says, do to others as you would have them do to you. God's not going to command you to help other people and to love other people if he's not going to give you the ability to do it. And he even goes so far as to design you with hormones that will kick in to help you. Let me, let me, let me give you another example. An example. This, this story is also from Afghanistan. This time it's, it's nighttime. It's 2002. It's August. And there's a group of special forces that have to make their way up into the, the mountains. They've got air cover on this night. Two guys are flying these planes right here, A-10 Warthogs. These planes are kind of interesting planes. They're actually, they're kind of slow in one sense, and, and they're designed to fly low to give air cover. And, and, and the reason they go slow is so they can, they can shoot for a longer time, and then they can just jet off and, and, and curve at the right time. They're, they're an interesting plane. They're, they're kind of like a tank in the air, all right? Well, on this night, 22 special forces are headed up this valley, all right? They're marching up this valley. There's actually cloud cover on that night. The two guys in the plane, the, the, the lead uh, pilot, he goes by the call sign Johnny Bravo. So he stands around like this, you know what I'm saying? Well, Johnny Bravo and his wingman are up in the air. It's actually a beautiful night up there. They can see the stars. They see the top of the, the puffy clouds. It's beautiful. But because of that, it's extremely dark down below. And this team going up in the valley, yes, they have the cover of darkness, but they also have no way to see what's going on. It's a very difficult thing. There's another problem. In 2002, the A-10 Warthog did not yet have the ground-hugging radar systems that we have right now. So before Johnny left the base that night, he had to open up the maps and look at them and see where they were going. The only maps they had were made by the Russians when they were fighting the Taliban. They weren't the most reliable source in the world. They were old maps. But he looked at them. He got an idea (laughs) of this valley and what everything looked like. And they took off on that night. Now, the, the crew of 22 guys is marching up this valley in the darkness. They know the Taliban are there, and they, they're, they're, they're headed up up there, and there's kind of an uneasiness going on inside their gut. They're kind of concerned. And Johnny fills it up above the clouds. He says, I'm going down to check on these guys. He drops down through the clouds. As he hits that, he kind of gets some turbulence, all right? And about the time he's dropping through the turbulence in the crowd, clouds, he hears the guys on the radio. Johnny, we need you now. Now. We got to have you now under fire. Okay. He drops through the clouds into the darkness and it, the night is lit up with tracer fire coming from three different directions on his team. Johnny immediately, immediately 
grabs the, the trigger on the stick and pulls it to start shooting at these guys. But he knows what the valley is like. It's pitch black and he knows he's headed for a mountain cliff, a sheer cliff ahead. He remembers his maps and he says, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, pulls back the yoke and pulls up right before he hits the cliff. Goes up into the clouds, pulls back around, comes back down, pulls the trigger, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, back, goes back up. He hears a radio from down below. That's good. That's good. Do it again. Do it again. Comes back around, comes down into the valley, pulls the trigger. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. He pulls up. That was the end of his ammo. Comes up through the clouds and they say, can you do it again? He pulls along his wingman. He says, listen, man, we need you to go down there. I'm going to lead you. They both pull back down through the clouds. All right. Now this time, Johnny knows he got to do this just right, baby. His wingman, his wing is just three foot from Johnny's wing. They pull down there. But you got to realize something. Johnny's now a target. He's a target. These guys are shooting tracer fire towards him. And he has nothing to shoot back. His buddy pulls the trigger on the plane and he hears Johnny next to him going, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, pull up. They pull up. They do it three more times and they, they enable that team to go home safely that night. When Johnny was interviewed, they asked him, they said, what, what, what causes a guy like you to do something like that? Where did you get that? He said, ah, they'd all do that for me. Any one of my guys would do that for me. See, there's a loyalty that's built when, when, when you see someone else lay down their life for you. But did you know there's a chemical reaction that happens in your life that kicks in and it creates this bond, this bond between another person? Now you know you can trust them, that they love you, that they'll lay down their life for you. See, when you and I show commitment and faithfulness in that, it creates a bond. But you and I have an enemy, and that is self. I want to explain to you these four chemicals because it's really important to your understanding of the way we work and what's going on in our lives and our world. There are four naturally occurring chemicals in our brains, hormones that transpire, that, that, that motivate us, encourage us, and challenge us. The first two are endorphins and dopamine. Now, you may know about endorphins if you've ever been uh, an exercise freak. You may still be, all right? Endorphins are what kick in when you're exercising and you're feeling this great pain, but you're able to push on through and you kind of get this touch of endorphins and it makes you to keep on running or to keep on working out. Or did you know you actually, when you're laughing, have you ever, have you ever laughed so hard that it hurts? All right? Well, endorphins are what you get when you're laughing like that. And then you find out later, you've got your sore right, right along your belly because you've laughed so hard. The endorphins helped you overcome it. Endorphins are what help moms have babies at the end, right? God gives you a rush of those. Now, 
Dopamine, dopamine is another uh, hormone that's in your, you're in my body. And this is what happens when you and I make a checklist, you know what I'm saying? You make your grocery list and you're going through and you're checking them off. Did you know you get a little bit of dopamine? When you get that checklist completed, this is why on your day off, when you've got the list of things to get done and someone say, well, how was your day off? And you go, it was great. I got my list done. That's because all day long you were getting a little bit of dopamine. See, it made you feel good. Now you need to know this. Okay. That, that dopamine, you also get a little bit of it when you drink alcohol, when you drink alcohol, it gives you a little bit of dopamine, makes you feel good. You also get a little bit of dopamine when you gamble. Oh, yeah, man. When, when, you, when you gamble and you win, you get a little dose of dopamine. That's what gets you hooked on it. That's why we call it dope. Did you know that this will freak you out? When you hear your phone ding and there's a message on there and you're like, no, I'm busy. I can't look at it. I got, I got to look at it. That's for the dopamine. Every time, every time you get it, oh, how about this? You're having a bad day at work, things aren't going. So you send out 24 texts all to your friends with the two-letter word, hi. That's because you're hoping one of them will text you back. You just wanted a little bit of dopamine, man. Listen, the problem with these two, uh, the two ones at the top, they're selfish hormones. And the truth of the matter is they're highly addictive. That's why if you, if you start drinking alcohol as a teenager, we can, we can project that the odds are high that you will be addicted to alcohol as an adult because you, you like the feeling. The problem is this, after you're done with that drop of dopamine, you you level back out and you realize, well, I just did that to feel good. It was just about me. And it's selfish, okay? Now, what's cool is these last two, serotonin and oxytocin, are different. These are the community hormones. And this is what happens. I'll tell you from my own life, all right? I remember when I graduated from graduate school, when I got my master's, all right? I remember what it was like because on that day, I'm walking through the line. Yeah, and Billy Graham's there to shake your hand and they're handing you your diploma. You're, you're now got your Masters of Divinity. And I'm so proud. Now, I feel pride, but guess what else? My parents feel pride. They're there because they're like, yes, I thought he would never get out of school. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Kids are walking across the stage and they've got their diploma and they go like this and they'll see their mom and dad and they'll give them one of these. And, 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 and why are they doing that? Because they're saying, I couldn't have done this without you. You're a part of this too. It's just like, just like in the, in, in basketball, when, when, when you, when you make the score and you point back at the guy who fed you that, when you and I are, it's, you get a, a dose of serotonin when you win and the team wins and everybody wins. This is why we have letterman jackets. See, you may have gotten the letter, but you're part of the team and you feel good. You're part of the team. That's serotonin. Now, oxytocin is the other chemical that you feel that has a community kind of thing. And this one kicks in when you feel a part of a community that makes you feel safe. 
All right. When you, when you know, like you get a dose of oxytocin when you just walk into grandma's house because you know it's safe. You're at home. You're loved. Ladies, when you have that baby and they, and they give it to you and you hold it up close, you look down at the baby and you go, sweetheart, I will never, ever leave you. Mama's going to always be here, right? The reason, the reason you're saying that right then is you're getting a dose of that oxytocin. You're like, I, I, I'm going to take care of you. And you're getting some of that. And the baby is getting it. That's why the baby is calming down. Because they feel it. These are the, God designed you and I for these hormones. But this is the problem you and I face. We live in a world that has become addicted to the selfish hormones. And we're feeding ourselves on that. We, we are, we are feeding ourselves on the selfish. I'm not telling you the selfish ones are bad. They enable you to push through pain. They, they enable you to get a task list done. They're good. But you've got to realize a life lived on them alone is a frustrating, unfulfilling life. But a life where you, where you do for others, you start to get these hormones and you feel good about yourself. But you, 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 but do you see how important this is? If we understand the way the chemicals work, we'll, we'll, we'll begin to ask ourselves, am I seeking out things that are just selfish, that make me feel good about me? Or am I doing what's right for everybody? And the reason, the reason that Johnny Bravo could do the, what he was doing, the reason that Captain Swinson could do was because they knew I'm a part of something bigger than me. I'm doing something that's more important than me. I'm a part of a team. And you need to know something. When you're part of the kingdom of God, when you're part of the church, when you're part of God's people, you're part of something bigger than yourself. It's about Jesus and his kingdom. I'm preaching. You guys should be amening. All right. Look at this. I want to bring it home to you. You know this story. You've read it. This week we've been reading through the Bible. We've been reading through the gospel of John. And, and this is right where we are today. It's the story of Peter and, and, uh, and Jesus after the resurrection. Remember Peter on the night that Jesus was betrayed? He denied him three times before the cock crowed. He was like, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. You're a jerk, Peter. And, 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 and then Jesus comes to him. And he says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And he's, he's dealing with all this shame, all this regret. Because he denied him. Right here we are. Verse 17 of chapter 21. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Now, ladies, let me help you out here because this is a typical man conversation. A lot of few words here. Peter, when Peter looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter was actually laying out a principle about who God is. 
See, God is sovereign. God is powerful. And God knows all things. You and I, we hit a bump in the road. Something, something bad happens to us. And you know what we interpret it? Well, God must be doing this to teach me something. God's, you know, testing my heart. No, God doesn't have to test your heart. He knows your heart. He knows if there's good stuff in there and he knows if there's bad stuff in there. Now, what God does do is he puts us in situations and circumstances so that we can see our heart. When, when, when your child cries, it's because something you said, you see a little bit of your heart. And on this day, when Jesus is looking into Peter's, Peter's eyes, Peter gets it. He's like, Jesus, you know my heart better than I do. And what I'm telling you is this. I love you. And Jesus is looking back at him and said, I know you love me. And I wanted you to know that I know that you love me. That's why. Feed my sheep. See, when Jesus said, feed my sheep to Peter, he was saying, I trust you. I believe in you. I know you love me. You can do this. It doesn't matter what happened a few weeks ago. It doesn't matter what's happened in your past. I love you. You're part of my team. And let me tell you what. Jesus was trying to help feed him. Those chemical hormones, that reality that my kingdom is greater than the mistakes of your past. If you will believe in me, if you will follow me, I will give you a new future. Let me tell you something. That, that bond sealed up. That commitment went completely strong in Peter. And for the rest of his life, for the rest of Peter's life, he spent his whole time, all his energy saying, I love you, God. I'm going to help other people know about that love. Because that's what you want. That's what I want. My heart is your heart. That's what commitment is. Commitment is one heart. One heart. And God is the one that gives you that heart. So, when he looked at Peter, he was saying, Peter, you're forgiven. And he's like, okay, I receive that forgiveness. Now, for some of us here today, I want to ask you this question. Have you received God's forgiveness? Quit carrying around your load and just know he's forgiven you. And then number two, repent, stop doing that which is wrong and begin to move forward. That's all Jesus was saying to Peter. Okay, leave it behind you and let's move forward. Get to feeding. And you can do that too. I can do that. All right, here we go. God, thank you for designing me and forgiving me. I repent of looking for temporary fixes. God, I trust you and I fix my hope, everything on you. I choose to lay down my life. I am committed to your exceptional way, Jesus. In his name, amen. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. I really need you to help me right now because the Bible says that if we agree, it's more powerful and it impacts even the angelic hosts. So would you just 
just stop with me and agree in prayer right now what you're doing. Just listen intently and agree in your heart that God might move. Hey, let's take a moment to pray for people in ministry. They need us. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name because that's the only reason we're allowed to come before you. It's his goodness. It's his righteousness. And and your word says that you, you give the gift of leadership to the local church, to, to ministry. And in Ephesians 4, it says that, that you gifted the church apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers. And so, God, we come before you right now and we say thank you for the gifts. We say thank you for the, the people that are serving in our nation uh, as, as pastors and teachers and, and prophets and evangelists. Lord, the people that are planting churches, we thank you for that. But, God, we have a, a, a global perspective. We're praying that you will raise up leaders not only in our nation but throughout the throughout the earth, Lord. There are people that need ministries that will feed the hungry and and take care of the, the poor and the orphans and the widows. This is all part of the plan. And so we're praying for a new generation. We're praying for young men and women to be raised up, to go in, to, to help people. And God, we need women that are godly that can help these, these young girls that are being human trafficked and we need men that that care about what what's going on in our world we need people that believe that the bible is the word of god that the gospel of jesus christ is powerful and so god we're asking you to to review and refresh the leaders and ministry and yes lord you are the vine tender and we pray right now that you will provide everything that we need for the ministry of your body the church in Jesus name. Amen. Well, I just love praying. You know, my life has been forever changed by prayer. Everyone who comes to know Christ's life is changed by prayer. And we want to help you grow in prayer. So we're inviting you today as one of our friends and part of this ministry to go to yournextstepnow.com and we will give you a free prayer guide. It's an ebook. All you have to do is give us your email address, your email address at yournextstepnow.com and you get our free prayer guide and you can join us every day. Be a part of the ministry. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of the Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, Come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. 
Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.